you. Let's welcome Sean once more. Thank you, my brother. Uh, so good to be with all of you. And just, I, I've been so encouraged by the reports of God's activity. And uh, man, thank you, Josh Harrell from One Life and all that you've done with the worship team this week. Uh, we just appreciate you guys so much. You know, one of the great things about Advance that's been right from the b beginning for Becky and me, the first time that we went to a uh, church in the UK and we had Advance there and met all the folks from the UK, we just felt this, this feeling of this is family and not this feeling of, well, let's compare church sizes and brag about how this one is bigger than that one. There was a celebration of no matter what size you were, it's like, God's at work. And, and, the, and then just the atmosphere of prayer that has continued from that time. We, I kept thinking, well, the next gathering that we go to, they're not going to pray. We're going to become like these other movements where we talk about prayer, but we never pray. And I just praise God that we're still at it. Uh, we're still praying together, and I, I just thank God for you. Uh, so good to meet Pastor Randy. Uh, we're, we're just praying for you, and so thankful for, for all the fruit that's coming in Farmington from Calvary and Pastor Rick and, uh, of course, Ben and Brian and Pastor PJ. Just thank God for all of you. We got to, you know, when you get together at events like this, you start sharing stories things that have happened in the past. It's just a kind of a way of doing things. You talk about remember when. Uh, so the few of us got together this summer in, in Hot Springs, and uh, we, have, we, we were talking yesterday about some of the things that happened. I think we have a clip of uh, something that happened. This is uh, Brian Barr on the lake. I want you to see this right here. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. He hung on. Uh, guess who's driving right now? Yes. Because Brian was talking smack to me. And so when I got behind the wheel, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to show you who's boss right here. But, but you know, we, we all have stories uh, that help us get through difficult times. I was raised in a church where uh, it was really small. My grandma made peanut brittle. Anybody ever make peanut brittle to like pay for the church mortgage? Man, I, I still have scars on my hands from, from the burnt pans, you know, holding and shaking those pans. And my grandma would help us. She would tell us to go out with this box of peanut brittle to sell. And it'd be hot and humid. And I said, Grandma, can I have a quarter just to buy a soda? No, this is God's money. You can't have it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Those stories have, have shaped my life. So much of the things that I sacrificed and watched the sacrifice around me, people of faith, have shaped who I am today. But all of our stories in the moment doesn't it sometimes feel like you're, it's like, I know this is doing something good in me, but please can we get on to the victory? It's like, I, I'm tired of being worked on. I, I, I want to get out of the wilderness. I want to get on to victory, victory mountain. 
But we keep going through these things. And this is kind of the way we felt as a church. It's like, man, we've got COVID and then we've got racism and then we've got politics. I lost my dad three weeks ago. He went into heaven. It just feels like bam, 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 bam. And it reminded me of this picture I saw. This is Sue. She is, uh, she's 31 years old. She's been homeschooling <laughs> during COVID. This, any moms relate to that? It's like... Man, uh, this is a picture of Becky and me pre-COVID right here. Right here. This is, that's just, that's just in December of last year. So we're actually, we're actually 31 years old, uh, but this is what COVID does to you. Seriously, uh, this is when I became lead pastor in 2006. And uh, this is our staff in 2006, this next picture. Out of that picture, there is only one guy left besides me from that original team. Pastor Dave. And I, I'm sharing this to say how that, you know, if I could go back and talk to that guy in the middle about the things that were going to happen and how I might encourage him, but at the same time knowing that there's no way to get through these things except to go through them. And those other guys that have moved on to other ministries, even though I know we were sowing into ministry, it was still hard. It was hard. It hurt. And yet these stories have something to do with how God shows his faithfulness. This psalm that we're looking at, Psalm 78, I'd love for you to get your copy of God's Word. It's meant so much to me during this time, and I shared some of this with our Crosspoint family, and I'd just like to share with you some things that have helped encourage me. Uh, now, last night and, and yesterday, you guys got like the French artisan bread, Today you're getting peas and cornbread, okay? So I'm just, I'm just warning you. I'm from the South, and so this is just kind of simple. But this, this has really helped me. In Psalm 78, this song is written by Asaph. He was a music director. So he'd be like Josh Harrell. He's the worship leader. And they would write songs that they would give to David, King David, during this heyday in Israel when God was doing mighty things. And Asaph gives this song of remembrance, and he says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. And this verse right here where we'll camp out. Would you read this with me? We will not hide them from their children but tell to the coming generation. So Asaph, this songwriter, this worship director, he's saying, listen close, family, come in. I have something to remind you of. I have something to say in the song of remembrance. And this is something that Maybe I heard around the campfire with grandpas and uncles and men of old who have shared these things with me, stories my mama told me. 
Other things that I've heard from witnesses, from people in God's community of what God has done in the past. We will not hide them. We will not hide them. And he begins to recount the glorious deeds of the Lord. I want you to notice as you just skim down through this this, uh, chapter, uh, it's not so much about what grandpa did and what grandma did, and and those things are awesome, but as he goes through, he says, I I want to remind you of, of the things, the works, the glorious deeds of the Lord. And he begins to go through this chapter just recounting uh, these amazing feats of God as the children of Israel escaped slavery and moved into uh, their promised land. And he talks about how that God divided the sea and God let them pass through it. He made the water stand up like a heap. Verse 14, he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a fiery light, he split rocks in the, what, what, what is he doing? He's saying, listen, in the midst of, of, of your journey, in the midst of maybe settling into this promised land, don't forget what God has done in the past. And I want you to lift your eyes in the middle of your circumstances and remember what God did before us, before you ever got here. This is just a side note, and this isn't the purpose of my talk, but to remind those of you that are still, you still have kids at home, that the first place a child should hear about the works of God is not at church. It's with, it's with dad around the campfire. It's with mom. It's with the, the guys on the fishing trip. Hey, let's just spend a few minutes talking about what God has done in the past. Silence is not an option, my friends. He said, we will not hide them. And there are some stories right here in this room that, that because we, you know, we kind of settle into, well, this is life now and this is the way that things are, that we can think that everybody knows what God did in the past. No, we've got to keep saying it. We've got to keep talking about what God did. Like, like for me, when I was nine years old, and I was so fearful of being left behind. Anybody in the house, you got those, those messages about the, the water turning into blood. And uh, man, and if you don't repent every Sunday night for every sin that you did, you're going to get left behind. And those moments in the middle of the night when I think, I, I wonder if it happened. I'd go into the bathroom and I'd turn on the water to see if it turned into blood. Or I'd go, I'd go into my brother's. No, I didn't go to my brother's room because I thought he might be left behind too. I'd go, to, I'd go down the hall and, and then I'd just see if I could see mom and dad in their bed. And I'd think, oh yeah. I'm still here. But I remember that, that guilt and condemnation and then giving my life to Christ in that small gospel church in, in northwest Louisiana. And for the first time in like a year, I slept like a baby because I knew I belonged to Jesus. And I can forget that in a moment, the, the, the wonder of, of God's amazing grace, his marvelous grace to us. Or, or as we sit in this building today, and I remember 2008, the economic crash. When did we decide we're going to move from our old building and buy, some, buy you know, uh, 
27 acres and 78,000 square feet. We're going to do it at the, like the worst financial crisis in the last century. That's when we're going to do it. And just feeling that, that terror uh, a few nights where Becky and I would lie awake in the middle of the night and say, what the heck have we done? But looking back and seeing how God has been faithful and he's carried us even through an economic crash. So, so this psalm writer is doing that. He's reminding them of what God did I, 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 and, and how we need to remember it. But what happens is instead of telling the story, it says in verse 11, sad verse, they forgot his works and the wonders. How could you do that? Are you kidding me? You forgot the Red Sea? You you forgot the pillar of fire and the cloud? How do you do that? You just stop talking about it. You stop remembering. You stop telling about the amazing things that God did. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm amazed at my short memory. Any guys in the house, it's like, yes, yes, Lord. It's like... The things I should remember, I don't, and the things that I should forget, I remember. And I'm amazed at, at my, my, I don't mean like my, where's my phone. I'm talking about big stuff. I'm talking about uh, how one scathing email can make me forget 20 good emails. How a moment of frustration in my marriage can exaggerate the problem. My wife and I, we hold each other accountable because I don't know if this happens to you, but in a moment of frustration, you can resort to those phrases like, you always do that. Why do you always leave the toilet seat up? What? And, and we've, just, we've held each other accountable to say, no, not always. This moment, this momentary lapse of judgment, yes, I'll own that. But not like years of problems. You know, so, so my wife is so gracious in, in that way. Most of the time that things go awry, it's my fault. It really is. It's like she's closer to Jesus than I am. <laughs> but what do I need to do? I need to remember some amazing things that happen in our marriage to remind myself why it's such a privilege to be married to Becky Trueblood Craig. I remember the time when I was so stupid that I broke up with her. This is like before, you know, before we were married. I almost didn't wise up, but I got on a plane and went, to, uh, went out to Sacramento to, to see her, and, and we went to uh, her house, and I remember her, her mom and dad sitting there and making me banana pie, and we're sitting there, and I remember her telling me later, she said, and I watched how you treated my mom and dad and how they were looking at you, and I thought, I could marry this man. And I remember that and remember how I almost lost that, but hallelujah, I wised up, I went out there and I ate crow, and I'm so glad I did it because I'm here today by the grace of God. Why do I need to do that? Why do I need to reflect on that? Because I have a short memory and because hope is fragile. We can lose hope. 
you hear that phrase, she just lost hope. In other words, all the, 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 her anchors in life, she lost them because of what she was walking through. And hope is only as good as what you set it on. So this psalmist says, we will not hide them, but we will tell them to the next generation. Verse 7, why? So that they should set their hope in God. So we tell the story so that we will reset our hope. We must tell his story so so that we will reset our hope in God. And I lose hope when I set it on uncertain circumstances like, I hope, uh, I hope things go back to normal in January. What if they don't? What if COVID is still here? That's uncertain hope. Tom Rainer, a thinker and researcher of trends among, among Christian evangelicals, tells us that the vast majority of pastors he's hearing from are saying they are considering quitting their churches. It's a trend. He said, I haven't seen this in my lifetime. Some are just weeks away, he says, from uh, making an announcement. They're looking for work in the secular field. They're, they're saying, I, I, we need to move to bivocational ministry. Barna says that 20% of churches today don't think they will survive COVID. Now, I know some of these things are just circumstances we can't, we can't prevent. We didn't see it coming. And, uh, man, if you don't have a little bit of savings, some things can just like boom. But I wonder if some of this is related to setting our hope in the wrong place. And I'm just as vulnerable in these moments of saying, well, I hope we can get through this. I hope we go back to where it was pre-COVID. I hope the money gets better. I hope. No, that, that, that is uncertain hope. But what I can say is I can remember the story again. I can remember what God did. I can remember how God brought us through in in 2008. So Asaph says, we will not hide them. We will reset our hope in God. Verse 7, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. We forget. Have you forgotten? Where's your hope? Have you forgotten what God did? Have you forgotten where you came from? This is so good in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, where Paul gives this list of sins that like the, oh, we think of all these, you know, this list of really bad things, we might say. Don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greeters, greedy, not the greeters, nor the, (laughs) maybe, nor the greeters, nor the ushers, nor, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And we go there and say, man, that's, that sounds pretty serious. But the, here's, here's the rest of it. And such were some of you. What is he doing? He said, remind you, that as you look around the world and you say, man, it's going crazy. Remember, such were some of you. I'm looking out in this room. Some of you were meth addicts. Some of you were alcoholics. We have three guys on our staff, two of them that were meth guys. One was an alcoholic. They're serving Jesus and serving the church today. 
We need to remember that. Such were, such were some of you. You were greedy. You cheated people. Maybe, maybe you cheated on your spouse or your kids, but that's not who you are today. That's who you were. Such were some of you. It's important that we remember those stories. I was thinking back because it's important for me right now to remember those stories of God's redemption, of his faithfulness. And I was just reflecting. So I've got a folder in my email. It's called Joy Bells. And, and I put good emails in there. Because when you get a list of bad ones, you know, you can go, hey, I've got some good ones too. <laughs> but I was thinking back to some video testimonies. And I, I remembered this one. I don't know if you guys can, can show this. This is from Mike. So that guy in that video was across the street in some apartments, got on his knees and said that prayer, walked into our midweek prayer meeting, sat in the back, back here, and was terrified to pray with anybody. But our guys helped him learn how to pray he started walking with Jesus, and now uh, Mike, come out here, just wave at people. Just want you to. Um, and Mike, Mike, now he just kind of does whatever needs to be done. He's he's just a great man of God. He's leading our outreach teams, and and I'm sharing this not not to say look at Crosspoint. I'm sharing this to remind you that you have stories in your church family. The same kind of thing of God's redemption. And we need to remember that. Lest in these moments of Christ, we say, where is God? When have you done anything? And that, that the enemy starts telling you, you can't preach, you can't lead. Where are your leaders? Where are your elders? Why don't you have what they have? And all those comparisons. And no, you just got to remember uh, stories like this that you have in your assembly where God took you from this mess and made you into something that we can celebrate and say, look what God has done. We will not, we will not hide these works. Why? So we will reset our hope in God. But not only that, he says, so that we will keep his commandments. So God is saying, tell the story again, not only so that you will reset your hope, but so you will follow through on his instructions. And what is he saying? He's saying, connect this to the story, the story of God. You know, instructions not connected to a person, it's like rules without relationship, and that isn't what God wants. And so when we think about things like what we heard last night, go into all the world, preach the gospel, plant churches, strengthen one another, don't neglect the meeting of yourselves, or, or to say, uh, love God with all of your heart and your soul and mind and strength, or love your neighbor as yourself. And if we look at those things and say, yeah, just do it, we feel this futility. Well, why, why should I do it? I don't have enough. I don't have enough love that God would say, no, connect it back to the person. Connect it back to the story. And this is, this is why the psalmist says, don't forget the works of God so that you will reset your hope and you will follow his instruction. And isn't this what God does throughout the the whole gospel story, the whole course of Scripture. God doesn't want people to keep instructions separated from a person or separated from a story, so God writes, writes a story. Yeah. 
God, God writes this amazing story of, of this chosen people that escaped from Egypt and a dynasty and King David. And Asaph doesn't know the rest of the story. He's just telling, this is what's happened so far. But we know the rest of the story. We know what Asaph could only look through a telescope and see. And and as we get to the new story, the new testament, the new covenant, as Mark begins his gospel by saying the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What is he saying? He's saying, I want to tell you of the best story that God ever wrote. What is the biggest work, the biggest wonder? It's not the Red Sea. It's not, uh, it's not the pillar of fire. It's not the pillar of cloud. It's not these amazing things that happen in the wilderness. It was about a carpenter's son who was born in Bethlehem who came from uh, like pond scum town. It's like, this is like Potosi, Missouri. This is like uh, the place where you don't go, oh man, he's from, he's from Potosi. You don't brag about that. No, he's from... Are you from Potosi? I'm so sorry. <laughs> so Jesus is born in this place of obscurity, and God does this on purpose because he's writing a story, and he writes his story through Jesus Christ, raised in Nazareth, miracles, signs, wonders, but they forgot didn't they? They forgot his miracles. Said, we're disappointed in you, Jesus. You're not the kind of leader that we thought you would be, but God kept writing. God picked up his pen, and even after Jesus, he kept writing through this amazing guy named Saul who turned into Paul. And he kept writing. He didn't finish with Paul. He wrote it through Peter, James, and John. But uh, he didn't finish there. He kept writing his story through Polycarp and Tertullian and through Augustine and through Martin Luther and through John Wesley and Jonathan Edwards and D.L. Moody and Charles Spurgeon and William Seymour and a guy from uh, the hills of North Carolina named Billy. That God kept writing his story, but it's not finished yet. God's still writing his story through Mike, and he's still writing his story through Ben, and he's writing his story through uh, Becky, and through TJ, and Ashley, and PJ, and uh, God is still writing his story. And these are stormy days. COVID-19, racism, political storms on every side. And I don't know about you, sometimes in the middle of this, I go, what else can happen? Pastor Dave, he's on our staff, one of our elders. He was, we were talking about this, talking about just the storms of this year. And he said, uh, reminded him of when he was, he was on a cruise. You know, back when they used to do that, have cruises. <laughs> he's on a cruise. And, it, and it was, there was a storm that came up and people were freaking out because this, this boat is rocking and reeling. And in that moment, he said, it was amazing what the staff of the, sh- of the ship did. They didn't go around to say, oh, it's going to be over in just a little bit. Don't worry. The storm will pass. He said, no. What they did, they started walking around and telling people, let me tell you about how this ship is built how it's built to last. 
They started talking about this, this amazing, you know, how it was crafted and how it was the best design. It was built for storms. And I, I was thinking about that. We're praying about that and reminding ourselves that God's church, the gospel ship, is built to last. It's been through some amazing storms. And we get into these moments and we think, man, this has never happened before. We've never been through. Are you kidding me? The gospel ship, it's been through civil war in America. It's been through world wars. It's been through D-Day and V-Day in 1918, Spanish flu, and 50 million people died. Through Great Depression, through 1968 protests and riots and fires and college campuses burning and, oh yeah, 9-11, remember that little thing, that little storm? Remember the 2008 economic crash? And some people might say, I don't know if there's going to be a church after COVID. Are you kidding me? Man, this ship is built to last. This is a gospel ship. I just want to encourage us, my friends, in these moments, in these moments of crisis, that we don't forget the story of God. Because what will happen, he says, they forgot his works and the wonders. And then they, after they forgot, they just lost hope. So I thought maybe a way to close this out might be for us to just celebrate some of those stories. Maybe, maybe something you haven't told in a while that's maybe three or four sentences long. I'd love for uh, the team to come and let's just sing a little bit. But is, is, are we okay, Brian, as far as time? Okay. But that we don't, we don't waste this moment and just kind of move on and say, yeah. But there may be some of you that, that you just haven't recounted in a, in a while what God did for your church or what God did in your marriage or what God, how God restored your marriage. Man, I have friends, they were headed for divorce. They went to counseling and they worked through it and God's using them today. We need to tell those kinds of things. And I love this song. Many of you have been singing it uh, about the goodness of God. How quickly we can forget, but just to remember and recount the goodness of God. All my life, you have been faithful. Anybody relate to that? All my life, you have been so, so good. Yes, you've been good. Yes, you've brought us through. Yes, you've carried us. Lord, we want to we pause right now. We've, we thank you for what you're about to do. And, and I'm so grateful for how my brother PJ inspired us to think about the mission that's before us. It's encouraged me, God, to get my eyes back on mission. Lord, we don't want to move on like those nine lepers that just moved on and they didn't come back and say, God, thank you. When we want to stop and say thank you for bringing us through, for healing us, healing our marriages and rescuing my brother Josiah from meth amphetamines and my brother Wyatt from alcohol and my brother Steve from drugs and 
or my, my brother Mike, how you rescued his life a few years ago. Here he is today by the grace of God. We want to say thank you. You've been faithful, Lord. Sing it, guys. All my life, all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. Every breath that I make, I will sing. So let's pause right here. So this guy right here, he told me about when he was a little boy in Oman, not a lot of Christians around, and how he walked down the street and kids would throw rocks at him because he was a Christian, make fun of him. God brought him to the U.S., and he and his wife became members of our church, and they couldn't have a baby, said they would never have a baby. We prayed, and they have a beautiful Joanna today. You know, those kind of things, and here he is today. All my life, you've been faithful. All my life, you've been so good. God, we thank you for Anil. Uh, maybe, Brian, if we have some stories today, I'd just love to maybe hear from some of you and what God has done in your life, what he's done in your church.